from the Credit Union National Association. This is the CUNA News Podcast. Credit Union people. Credit Union ideas. Successful marketing and business development increasingly require a strong focus on community service and relationship building. That's according to two industry leaders honored during the 2021 CUNA Marketing and Business Development Council virtual conference. I'm Casey Mishlevy, Deputy Editor with CUNA News. This episode of the CUNA News podcast features John Kenjar, the 2021 Marketing Professional of the Year, and Kristen Llewellyn, the 2021 Business Development Professional of the Year. As Vice President of Marketing and Community Outreach at U.S. Eagle Federal Credit Union in Albuquerque, New Mexico, Kenjar led the organization's recent rebranding efforts, which contributed to 21% asset growth in a single year. As CUNA News Senior Editor Ron Jost learned, Kenjar's marketing approach extends beyond products and services to financial well-being and community service. Llewellyn, Affinity Partnership Manager at BECU in Tukwila, Washington, credits networking and relationship building for her success. She tells CUNA News Deputy Editor Bill Merrick how engaging with select employee groups and understanding their needs creates effective partnerships. We begin with John Kenjar, who shares how U.S. Eagle Federal elevated its community during a national health crisis. John, can you describe for us your uh, credit union marketing philosophy? Uh, I really like your approach. I think the thing to focus on is what is the driving force behind your own philosophy? Mine has been an honest attempt to not become too insular in my thinking, whether that be social, cultural, and even marketing, uh, specifically marketing as it applies to credit unions. I think the choice is that uh, will you approach it as a credit union marketer, a marketer in general, or putting the focus on the way people look at things in general? Sometimes um, that last one will take you to places that um, aren't where typical credit union marketing will take you. Uh, I've been blessed in my career to work for and within a multitude of industries and fields. So I try to bring much of that to my own thinking and apply it to the credit union marketing world. I think that's what differentiates organizations who successfully market themselves, the ones that can kind of think of outside of their own preset box, so to speak. They find a way to stand out, even though it may appear what they offer is mostly commoditized, as it somewhat does in our own industry. I think marketing, as its best, is uh, done from the outside in, not inside out. And I think sometimes, um, you know, again, the very best are the ones that... uh, are able to achieve that. And some pretty astounding results happen. One of my philosophies or one of my examples has been, Ron, that you look at the banking industry and the coffee industry, they've both been around for about 600 years. And, um, you know, what is being remarkably revolutionized in terms of how you philosophically market it? When you look at somebody like Starbucks, they took a 600-year-old product and made it pretty hip. My uh, challenge has always been is, why can't we do the same thing with credit unions? And when you dig deeper, credit unions really have a lot of heart. They have great values, and, and they're really easy to engage. And that's, that's kind of a huge advantage that credit unions have. Absolutely. Uh, when you look back at some of those previous founding principles, what you'll find is that 
banking way back when was is closely aligned to what credit unions are today with uh, our principles of people helping people. And I think we are better positioned, perhaps more than anyone in the financial services industry, to adapt technologies, to be able to be nimble where some of the giant offerings are not as nimble as us. They may have significantly more resources, but if we pay attention to what it is that we're offering our memberships and those who should be, I think we're really uniquely positioned to be able to adapt, to be able to append new data, to be able to append new systems, new technologies in order to better serve our members than just again, just about anyone else in the entire credit union industry. And since you came on board at U.S. Eagle, you rebranded. And can you tell me how that process worked and what you hope to achieve with the new image? You know, what was really fortunate for me was that we had, at the time of my uh, arrival here at U.S. Eagle, we actually had started a branding process. And we had started because of the leadership that is here, the insight that they have. We started it in the right place. We started it as what I believe all good branding efforts really where they do all begin. And that is, it started as a research effort. And what it really looked at was, instead of saying, hey, let's wipe the slate clean, what are our members and the highest potential members, what are they looking at? And what are they looking for the most from any credit uh, union or from us? And we looked at what we did well. And we modified instead of saying, well, we're a brand new organization now. I mean, we'd spent uh, over 80 years building up certain ways of doing things and certain ways of providing our provisions where we'd become good at it. We'd always been good listeners to our membership. So there's certain things that you want to stay intact. And then you look at more so than a cleaning of the slate, you looked at what can we modify versus drastically change? Because That's a pretty big move to say that you're going to rebrand and become somebody totally different. You've got to be really prepared for that. So I think it was very smartly done, uh, that research. And we already had some of the building blocks in place. It really started out as aligning to what you feel you do best and bringing it out for the world to see. So it starts with research. And it's really important from marketing overall. It's different from marketing overall is it's important to brand from the inside out. A moment ago, I mentioned uh, marketing from the outside in. Branding is from the inside out. You've got to be able to walk your talk. So that reinforces the ability to do that, to look at modifications versus a slate cleaning, to align your processes and offering to reflect uh, your brand. You know, a lot of places and a lot of times and throughout my working with different industries, they'll look for a, a slogan or they'll look for something that is catchy. But in the end is you're really putting out a promise. So if you want to use the word easy in your branding and your new positioning statement and what I call a brand promise statement, if you want to use the word easy, then what are you doing to fulfill that promise? If, you're, if you haven't changed anything in your products or services, if you haven't changed anything in your processes to make something easier, it's not a true reflection of what you're trying to position your brand as. So we really looked at ours and ultimately it came out to say people mean more because people have always meant more to us. Now, how do we put that into action? How do we develop the community support that drives that? How do we 
create our products and services that are member centric. So that was really our big focus. Because I think really in the end, the, the important thing to remember is, at least from where I stand, branding is 80% your culture. So you can walk that talk. It's 10% your offerings and the services to support your brand. And the last 10% is how you package it. What is that positioning statement going to say? What are your brand colors going to be? Too often that line is sometimes reversed. And we start with a new slogan, a new logo, a new color set, when actually uh, those are the very last things you touch. And again, I never use the word slogan. I use the words brand promise. You are promising something to your members and those who should be. So ultimately, there are two words, and it may sound kind of funny, but the two words that I, I think drive your discipline in branding, as with ours, was we had to focus on people meaning more, was ultimately two words, don't lie. Be who you are. It's okay to be who you are. Bring the best of yourself out for others to see as an organization. It doesn't mean you need to leave your roots of who you are, but it may be time after years of uh, running in one direction that you say, you know, organizations and brands are just like people. We grow, we evolve. And if we are ever changing, we've got to create a brand that reflects that change and brings out the best in us for others to see. Because as you know, Ron, the the opposite is if you are not changing and evolving, uh, you're going down the other side of the hill and you're dying. So it's always good to reinvent a brand, to have that energy. I think our image is being achieved. And we are really focused on everything that we say and do is revolved around how do we focus on the person? And that's both internally and externally. And you mentioned that it's about people. And part of that is community support. And that's a strategic priority for U.S. Eagle. Can you tell us how you improve your credit union's position as a corporate citizen in the community? Ultimately, I think it's a a decision uh, when you're trying to align to your brand of being altruistic or philanthropic. And to each uh, credit union, you really got to look at it and say, which is a better fit for us? You're always going to be in a position, either way you go, for uh, people to be helping people. You know, if you stay altruistic and you don't try to promote your brand, instead of giving away 500 bucks, you're going to give away $501 bills. Where can you make the most difference? But philanthropic is really more of a strategic mindset. And that really aligns well when you take that approach, I feel, to uh, how you can align this even more strongly to your brand. One of the things you always are challenged by are the legacy objectives in terms of community support. Are they feel goods for you or are they driving your brand? You really need to establish your table stakes, so to speak, with what your brand is trying to say. And in all facets of your marketing and your community support and your PR efforts, you've really got to be able to draw a fairly strong dotted line back to your brand. And I've heard the saying, marketing isn't what you say yes to, it's what you say no to, is some of the most successful marketing. And Sometimes you may have to look at some of the legacy objectives and things you've supported and be able to say, does that align to who we are? Does that align to our brand? And sometimes you have to say no to the things that uh, you may have traditionally supported. And in moving forward, these are our table stakes in terms of what we will support going forward. 
So that is one of the things that we've done to really try to, you know, improve our position. We've also aligned internally, not multiple groups. We've we've created a centralized group with contributions from all areas of the credit union so we can make sure that we maintain our focus for all to see and understand. Again, back to walking the talk, uh, we have multiple groups and now we're um, consolidated, so to speak, under a, a internal group that we uh, named uh, Flight Crew. Obviously, with the uh, U.S. Eagle, you see the tie there. But that creates the alignment that we need, that creates the focus that we need, that creates the group input we, that we need to make sure that everything that we do from a community support perspective uh, aligns to brand. The other thing that we've done too is that we've really broken down marketing into various disciplines. Often we are challenged by one person wearing many different hats. We look at how the various disciplines of marketing, whether it be PR, media, analytics, the creative components, strategic components, we look at all those and we've broken those down into various disciplines within our marketing department. And community involvement in PR is certainly one of those. So we make sure that there is a central strategic branding alliance and governance in all that we do to ensure that what we're doing does circle back to and support the brand. Another thing that probably supports it is financial wellness, which is a priority for U.S. Eagle as well. Can you tell me about your financial wellness programs? What we've really looked at, Ron, is uh, where we were at and where we were headed. And there were efforts in place when I arrived. And what we had to do is look at this. They were kind of maybe catch-all. For us, we if you're going to focus on people, you're going to focus on what are their life needs at that stage of life. So one type of financial wellness and financial education obviously doesn't appeal to all groups simultaneously. So we really segmented those efforts. We've joined in with a group, partnered with a group called Bonsai, which really uh, allows us to get in front of a younger demographic with a lot of online support, as well as the ability to go into the schools and support what are many times understaffed, under-resourced efforts for financial literacy and education in the schools. Then we looked at our adult segment, and we really looked at folks and said, what's the best partnership for us? And it was um, you know, EverFi. We decided to partner with EverFi as a way to approach the demographics beyond youth. Then we also, working with EverFi, created a financial wellness coach certification. So we had uh, an internal program sponsored by EverFi where we would create financial wellness certifications in order to help our different team members become financial wellness coaches. And you're able to either access the online materials for your financial well-being. You're obviously able to also then schedule phone conversations, in-person conversations with our financial wellness coaches or FWCs to help further your financial well-being. And we launched a campaign externally that said financial wellness is happiness. It affects your health, it affects all facets of your well-being. And the universal application to all of this is we made it accessible. We want accessibility because a more financially knowledgeable member is going to be a happier member. And it's going to be a more successful membership engagement. 
And again, we made it a focus within the marketing disciplines I mentioned earlier and uh, align those within those disciplines so we could actually spend the time focused to it. I think ultimately, it's really important to look at this and say, is financial wellness, unfortunately, in some ways, it's like, oh, that's something we have to do. No. In this world where people are looking for leadership and looking for advice and looking for counseling on how to best make the most of their money, how to create happiness in their lives, it is our responsibility. If we're really people helping people, it's not a task. It is a mission of credit unions. And any way I applaud any credit union that can find the ways and processes to make this work, because in the end, again, we are people helping people. And this is probably one of the best ways we're most well positioned to assist uh, those in our communities. Your plate is so full, but you do it on a relatively small budget. You do everything in-house. So how are you so creative and ambitious with such a relatively small budget? How we do it, primarily the two things that really help us along are one, we've actively recruited and are fortunate to have agency experience on our team. And we also have the ability and have made it a diligent effort to be able to identify niche providers versus maybe handing an entire project over to an ad agency or an agency record, which in our case, we don't have. We look for niche providers that have specialties in certain areas, and they allow us uh, to very cost-effectively execute all of the initiatives that we have. It's almost a plug-and-play concept. We can insert those niche providers and partners into various areas of projects, and uh, we still have oversight. We're still doing the content. Uh, We're still doing the strategy. We're um, overseeing everything from media to all of the things we do graphically, everything we do digitally, but it allows us to be able to perform at a high level and be able to maintain the output that we have. Yeah, that plug and play concept, it really does sound efficient the way you describe it, just kind of maximizing your talent and other people's talent. You know, I always follow the edict of it's always to surround yourself with the best possible talent you can and let them do their job. They're fantastic at it and, and encourage. It's an amazing thing when you follow this process that everyone in the process truly takes ownership. There's never anything that we look at as a task in our department. Everything is an initiative. Everyone has their contribution to making sure the initiative is the utmost and very best it can become. It's a lot of passion on our marketing team. And to keep that all aligned and uh, keep that going in a positive direction, that's obviously my responsibility, but it's so fun to work with such a great group of passionate people who are able to maintain strategic focus and be able to deliver on uh, the things that ultimately get the results that we need. Now, Kristen Llewellyn explains her award-winning approach to business development. First of all, could you tell me a little bit about your background and how you got into business development? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually started in the credit union industry as a senior in high school, working as a teller. I held various positions from member consultant to branch manager, and I did leave the credit union industry for a little bit to dabble in advertising and account management before moving to Seattle and starting with BZU. In all of my previous positions, I was really drawn to business development. 
As a member consultant, I would volunteer for on-sites, benefits fairs, new employee orientations. And as a manager, I really loved going to networking events and chamber events and getting out in the community. Early part of my career at BECU in our retail market development team that spent a lot of time supporting more business development activities on site, like benefits fairs and community events. And about three years ago, I moved over to the Affinity team when a new position was created to manage and develop some of our long-term strategic partnerships. What's your approach to business development and what works and what doesn't? I think there's several approaches you can take depending on the partner or the scenario. But overall, I found really that networking and relationship building, both internally and externally, are very critical for being successful. For me, I truly want it to be a partnership and make sure as an organization that we're offering our partners relevant content and be highly engaged with them. When we can do that, we tend to see they our ideas come to life when we can brainstorm on how to appeal to their audience. And at the end of the day, our success is their success. What content do employers tend to want for their employees? Yeah, we look at a lot of uh, financial education for them. Most recently in the last year, we've been focusing on how to manage your finances during a crisis, but we've also offered first-time homebuyer seminars as well as better budgeting, just a couple. And you recently added some pretty well-known partners of businesses in the Puget Sound area. Can you tell me a bit about that? Kind of going back to that relationship building and networking, all you need is one right introduction from someone. We've had a few large partnerships start as connections or in an introduction from an employee or someone within my network. Once you kind of get that initial introduction, I think it's really important to get an understanding of the partner's needs. Some of our large partners were already working with other credit unions, but they needed BECU to maybe augment their financial education benefits. Or we've also had other partners that had great financial education programming, but really wanted more of a perk for their employees. So we really work hard to customize the partnership based on their needs. And we want that to grow and create a strong foundation from there. More often than not, we're able to expand on those offerings just by being a great partner and being there when they needed us to be. So far, the strategy has been successful for us and it continues to be. And, uh, you know, the pandemic changed pretty much every facet of credit union operations. How did business development change during the pandemic? And which of these changes do you think you'll keep in the future? I think really figuring out how we were going to connect with people if they were not physically in their office was a challenge, right? I had a lunch and learn and another webinar scheduled the week of our shutdown order. And so at the time, we postponed thinking we could reschedule down the road. But kind of as the weeks started slipping away, we realized we kind of needed to pivot and brainstorm other ways to connect. We really kind of refocused and refined to make sure we were intentional with the content or the financial education we provided for those audiences. We found the more relevant and specific that content, the more success that we tend to see. Like I said, we hosted webinars on how to manage your finances during a crisis, and they were extremely well attended during that time. It also allowed us to talk to our members about some of our COVID relief programs and how we could help them. Which of your relief programs resonated with your business partners and their employees? Yeah, I think the two that stand out, um, we had a 0% loan at the beginning that was kind of there to help people tie over their finances for a little bit. And also some of those uh, payment deferments uh, really kind of helped people when they were struggling. What do you see for the future of business development and how might it change in the future? 
Yeah, I think it will definitely probably continue to offer webinars and virtual events as long as people are still attending those. I anticipate that people's habits will probably change as we get back into more of a normal world, but kind of still waiting to see what that looks like. The pandemic really helped speed up a lot of digital adoption, and we saw people become more comfortable with logging into digital events than we ever have in the past. We're also seeing a little bit of Zoom fatigue, though. So, you know, they really need to kind of balance what that looks like moving forward. I think it'll be more important than ever to present that pertinent information to connect with people. Do you think you'll uh, still do remote meetings and everything with select employee groups once we get out of the pandemic? You know, I think that we might. Um, you know, we've had a couple of partners, for instance, UWAA or University of Washington Alumni Association that has started doing some kind of a hybrid event. So they're doing some virtual and they're doing some in-person and they're able to reach some of their alumni that's across the United States. So I think they'll probably continue to do a little bit of that so they can engage the audiences a little bit farther. What advice would you offer someone who's just getting into business development? My advice would really be focus on networking and growing your relationships, both internally and externally. Relationships are the backbone of business development. When those relationships are strong, good things flourish. What's the best leadership advice that you've ever gotten or best career advice that you've ever received? Ah, The best career advice, I think, was to just believe in myself. (laughs) I think sometimes we get in our own heads and just knowing that you can do things is is important. What did you uh, do to stay healthy and sane during the pandemic? From a mental health perspective, I think that there's a balance there. So really trying to take time for myself, taking some mental health days. My boss was very understanding about that. And I'm a big believer in enjoying things that interest you. So I tried to connect with my friends via a happy hour on online and do our digital dance classes that way. So I think really just trying to still engage with everybody, even in a virtual world, was helpful. Thanks for listening to the CUNA News Podcast. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher Radio. 